0: This is a story that uh, took place back in, uh, in Dallas, Texas, in about uh, the mid-80s, and uh, I worked for a, a rubber company, Michelin Tire Corporation, and many of you may have worked for large corporations over the years, and I was the young guy, and they'd assign us accounts that no one had ever been able to crack, and so uh, the largest account of our largest competitor was one that we'd never been able to do any business with, and they said, uh, hey, I'm to take a shot at this see what you can do. I'm like, I just got out of the service. I was an armor officer. I'm like, yes, sir. Tell me where to go. So anyway, I started making my plan and thinking about it and thinking about this customer and, and how we could see if we could get our products there. And, and realizing as I went and met with the customer, and they were best friends with the competitive sales guy. I mean, they went hunting together. Uh, their wives were together. I mean, I, I wasn't going to be able to do this. You know, I'm thinking, okay, what can I do here? This isn't going to work. And then we didn't have any dealers of our own and had a great relationship with this client. And I'm like, I didn't have a relationship with him. None of my dealers had a relationship with this guy. He's like, what are we going to do here? So we thought, well, let's be smart about it. Let's be strategic. Let's be tactical. So we started asking some questions. And what we found out is that the customer was spending about $25,000 a month or about $300,000 a year with breakdowns on the road. In other words, they weren't checking air in their tires. They had about a thousand trucks. They had a thousand trucks. They were buying about 5,000 tires a year. And uh, which, you know, I treat, so they are buying a million and a half dollars worth of product a year. And, but they are having all these breakdowns. And, but they had great relationship with the customer. They, they had a great price when they broke down. But that breakdown, of course, would make their loads late and their customers unhappy and they'd have to have people coming to fix, like when you go down the highway and you see a truck by the side of the road, that's what was happening, mainly because they weren't checking the air in their tires. So I said, all right, we can maybe make some headway with this. So, went to my largest dealer, who was literally down the street, I mean, you could throw a rock from our dealer to this customer, and I said, could you come and help me? I think we could do some analysis here. We could bring this big account your way, a million and a half bucks a year. It would be a great account for you. And, nah, we're too busy. We don't want to do it what? No, we got our plan. Okay, well, so plan B, Plan B is there was another dealer, a much smaller dealer, a dealer who had like no credit with us. Like we couldn't sell this guy anything because he didn't have enough money and he had a bad credit history. But the man who owned it was a wonderful guy. He just kept his personally, he was very wealthy, but he kept his business not so wealthy. Those of you who maybe run family businesses may understand that, okay? And so, I knew how we'd be able to structure this so we could do it, but he was also, at the time, I thought he was ancient. I think he was probably 60, okay? Now I'm close to that. I'm like, wait a minute, he wasn't such an old guy at all. <laughs> but anyways, he said, I said, Bill, could you help me? I think we could pick this business up. we got to do some work here. And he's like, sure. And he came with me and did the work himself. So we went out and we did this, did these inspections and did all this stuff, and put together this proposal and he flew to Alabama and met their terminal there and bottom line what we did is Michelin had uh, a term that says inspect what you expect and this works with kids, it works with business, it works with a lot of things inspect what you expect and so what we did is we put a tire gauge in the back pocket of every terminal supervisor that this client had and every morning they just walk out randomly to some trucks and check the air. And if the air was low, they'd talk to the driver and say, hey, what are you doing? This is your truck. It's supposed to be right. These tires that are low, you don't know it now, but you get 300 miles down the road, you're going to have a flat tire and it's going to cost us a bunch of money and we're spending 25 grand a month. Okay. So they did this. And in doing this, within about 60 days, their road costs went to like nothing. And so we were geniuses. And even though our tires cost a little more, they were saving a ton of money. And we inked this big deal for like $5,000 through this credit guy who had no credit. But since they went on a national account and Michelin held the paper, the dealer didn't have to hold the paper. It was all good. So we were like rock stars. I mean, it was great for me because I was a new guy who got the account that nobody ever got. And uh, put this dealer on the map who we couldn't even sell him anything because he never had any credit. And ended up being just... A wonderful story of how we got some, you know, something done. So, what are the points? The points around that, you talk about tips and things that, You know, as, as we talk to Joe, is you really got to listen, and this applies, I've been in sales a long time, but it applies in a whole bunch of things, whether you're coaching people, working with people, supervising people, you know, whether in the military, to a certain, you have to listen to what's going on. What, what's around? You know, what is going on here of what your big deal is? And then one of the things that I've done, and I didn't do it back then. My faith has grown a lot since then. But what I do now when I'm getting ready to go see somebody is I'll ask my guardian angel to talk to their guardian angel. Say, look, I'm going to go talk to, you know, Susan today, and we're going to be talking about X. And, I, you know, I have an appointment. I'm not walking in cold. We know pretty much what we're going to talk about. But help her to be receptive and me to be receptive to listen to what she says and then what I say, we can communicate to find out what it is we're trying to get accomplished here. And say a prayer to your guardian angel even before you get ready to walk in to have that whether that meeting is your guardian angel will talk to theirs and you know you'll understand what's going on a little more. Some of the other stuff is pretty straightforward, you know, be prompt, have integrity, take do what you say you're gonna do. You know, we said we were going to show up. We looked through all these old tires. We rocked our own tire gauges. We checked hundreds of tires at this fleet and came up with this report. And that's, the, the data that was there was really informative and important to them. But the main thing is we did what we said we were going to do when they outlined this problem, we figured out a way to identify it so that it, we found the source of it so they could attack it to make the money problem go away that happened to them. The other thing is is just have in your mind so a help, a sort of a servant nature. You know, I'm here to help you. I mean, if I walk in with a sales, ca- a business card, and, you know it says VP of Sales on it, they know why you're there. Okay, it's like duh, you know this guy wants to sell us whatever it is he's doing, but that's not really the point. The point really is, how can we help you? You know, and sometimes you can't. I mean, you can't always. I mean, let's put this way: if the guy needed trucks and I'm selling tires, I can't help him. What I can do though is maybe send him to the best truck dealer around. A guy going to treat him right. And if you've been in an industry for a while or something, you may have a network of people around you where you can refer people to help get get them the help that they really need for what their problem is. And when you do that, since we all live longer than ever, odds are you'll see that individual again, maybe in a different environment, someplace else, they move, you move. Odds are if you've helped them over time and really have that attitude in your head, um, you know, I can tell from personal experience, I, I can list numbers of people or maybe you couldn't help them at one time but you tried and you did what was the right thing, later on it's a place where then you, you can relate to each other, maybe do business, stuff like that. And when you do stuff like that, you know, you build that trust level that you have to have if somebody's going to you, hand you, you know, a million bucks. So those are things, that networking activities that we can do, you know, in our communities, you know, whether it's certainly a church and other events, it's where you and it may not have anything to do with your work. It just might be things to do with something maybe eventually can help your children or can help some other family members, the people you meet. You know, as we meet Nancy here today at music therapy, I'm like, that's pretty awesome. You know, I, that would be something I would, you know, I could, see, I could see being useful for any number of people. So that's just it. Those are the main things. And then a, a couple other items as far as things now later on. This is far separated from that. But talking about your prayer life. You know, one of the things that's not very nice now, you know, you can pop a CD in, you can pop the rosary in. A lot of us live, you know, 15 or 20 minutes from work. You know, that's enough time. You know, to, depending on or depending on what your rosary tape is, but that 15 or 20 minutes, you can surely say a decade or two. You know, even if you get a phone call, you, know, you can't get phone calls like that anymore. You get a ticket, but you got to you got to have uh, hands free. But anyway, you know, you could say a rosary. You can say one either coming to or from work. You can you can make time to worship. We're so lucky here, you know, in Park Ridge. We got 6:25 a.m., 8:30. Julian is at seven. You know, Ransom at 8:15. I mean, there's so many churches in the morning. Even if you're you're working, you got to get up early and go. Or in the afternoon, I see at 5:30. You know, there's so many places where you can go to mass and 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 you know worship. Take that half hour a day for a daily mass and really you know get your head straight. And get right for the things you're supposed to do, and it's it's not that hard to do, and it has in its own way. Uh, most daily masses don't have music; some do, you know, depending on the priest. But it can really have that sort of that calming effect, where you know, really, when you're in a sales environment, a lot of times it, it is competitive. Your job is to you know sell for the company, and it can be pretty nerve-wracking, you know, depending on the kind of company you're with. You lose an account, it could you know could personally you know, take bread off the table. You know, it it has a tendency over time it can make you nervous. And nervous in the way you live. Especially, you know, if you're a small business or you're a private business person, you're running your own business, you know, uh, there's a lot on your mind. You know, I've advised private business franchisees most of my life. And um, they're trying to support their family and they have a lot on their mind. These things that we can do here at St. Paul's and the other places that that, the church makes available to us really can help Improve our lives and and those around us. So, that's it. Yeah, that's good. Thank you. Yes, sir. Dave, in thinking about um, what you're going to say tonight, did you also reflect on your faith uh, and maybe how your faith has grown or at a at a deeper at a deeper level? And can you share any of that? With us? Yeah. Well the big the big thing was is is at that time I'm a convert okay so at that time I was not I, we always went to the catholic church but I was not catholic so it's been quite a journey over that time to uh you know have come through RCIA do all that stuff and then as you learn as you go along and you see the things uh, you know that happen in your family life and uh things like that, that, that really, you know, you can go one way or another. I mean, some things push people away, and some, some things they haven't drawn people closer again. And so, uh, we've been lucky enough, you know, with, my, with Michelle, my wife, and, and our kids, to have those uh, challenging events in our life be things that drew us closer. And so, as that happens, uh, you know, A, you get a little older, you get a little, hopefully you get a little smarter as you go along. That um, you know, just those those things that uh, the Catholic Church provides to help you draw near to God. I mean, the the, the sacraments and, and you know the um, uh, it's all there. It's just I, I'm a convert, so I really had to think about it. It's the smartest place to be. and, and They figured it all out. Two thousand years, same group of guys, you know. <laughs> problems, yes. Okay. But you know like my, Michelle always says, look at the people Jesus surrounded himself with, okay? Peter denied it three times. Okay. James and John fought to be at his right and left. I mean, putting the other guys down. Thomas, Gallio, <laughs> Judas. <laughs> problem. You know, so he's got five out of seven right here. Okay. And that's God picked these guys. Okay, so the rest of us, we're all sinner we all have problems. Church, yes. You know, it's a hospital. You know, for for sinners is what it is. It's not a place for. I mean, there are saints, but you know. So, but when you go through and consider all the things, like, well, you know, I work for Michelin Tire Corporation. We were the best. I, I, I still have Michelin tires in my car. It was the best pride. This is the best place to be. That's it. I, now I get fired up like a tank commander. But it doesn't matter. <laughs> Um, you know, those are things as as you learn and you see, and, and the people that you meet along the way, and the stuff that happens, and the miracles. This this was just you know one little sales story, but there's so many things that have happened that really, uh, like Nancy mentioned, you can see that hand of God, just literally doing stuff. You're like, you know, it's there. It's amazing. So, thanks. Any other any other questions? Yes, sir. Like uh, a lot of cars on the dashboard, they'll have an indicator which will say. Like low tire. Yes. Do the trucks have anything like that? They do now. They they have uh, the, the TPMS, TPMS, Tire Pressure Monitoring Systems. Uh, uh, early on, they didn't have them. I mean, it's, all, so I'll give you a little tire story. You see the stuff laying by the side of the road. You know, everybody thinks that's a retread. It's not. Normally, what happens an operating temperature of a truck tire is about 240 degrees. At 300 degrees, it starts to come apart. Okay? And what happens is, like a low tire flexes too much and as it flexes too much, it creates too much heat and the bonds between the steel, the rubber, the stuff, the components that are inside start to come apart. So trucks have them now too. They're mostly on the tractor. I don't think there's enough, uh, I don't think they're hooked up to the trailers and honestly most of the flats that you see on the side of the road are trailer tires because a lot of times, depending on the nature of the fleet. Okay? But they're not going to check that. And there's been a number of things done to try to fix that. There's little uh, extra gauges that go on to make it easier to check. One thing that is, because they'll do a walk around, you know, drivers are supposed to do a walk around before they take off with of the load. They'll, there's uh, color indicators on them. They'll have like red, green, yellow. It's a little gauge that shows. You'll see that. One of the jokes we used to do when we'd have new guys going, going down, you're doing sales calls and you're going out with new guys and He'd usually be driving. You're telling him where to go. You're sitting in the, the passenger seat saying, we're going here. You would drive by a truck, you know, because you're driving on the freeway or wherever you were, and you'd take your hands and you'd do like that in front of the tire and say, yeah, that's a good year. And you would drive down a little further. Oh, that's a bridge, though. <laughs> you How do you do that? Well, you know, it's spectroscopic and the tire's going at 500 revolutions a minute and when you do that with your hand it kind of slows it down so it takes it right I mean, You know, you got to have some fun so, But anyways, mainly anymore, because the way that the tires themselves are constructed, you can't you have to actually put a gauge on it or have something that's actually checking the pressure or have something in, like you've got in a car now, that explains or that says it's low and you know now, for the most part, most of the time, what happens? I mean, it's really low. It's going to go flat. A lot of times, if you've had a car five, six, seven years, you keep the car. The wheels are in aluminum. They start to corrode a little bit, and the air can come. You can lose air there. So, Michelin was. I mean, they their training was awesome. They taught you. They didn't tell you anything about business, but they taught you a lot about rubber products. So, anyway, any other
1: any other questions?
0: Okay, I just wanted, um, yeah. I just have to about your wife michelle she's yeah. my daughter carly uh our yeah. daughter my husband paul's here yeah uh she's carly's ccb teacher oh. and she just absolutely loves your wife and wow. she's, she's learned so much uh from your wife and just you know the presence of god yeah. in your family mm-hmm. well yours are your t- your t- she, you know she'll come home and talk about the kids so her, she's really hardcore, she's like, uh, she's a seventh grader I take it, so she'll start, she starts out first day because the kids come in and maybe they're a little, seventh graders aren't as cool as eighth graders, but they still have a little, they're starting to get a little cool. And so she'll be like, uh, hey, who wants to go to heaven? They'll all raise your hand, stand up if you want to go to heaven. They'll all stand up. What are you doing about it? Or no, that's it. Is it automatic? Start thinking about that a little bit. Is it automatic? Uh, If it's not automatic, sit down. They all sit down. They're sitting there. Then she'll go, what are you doing about it? Now they really start thinking. And she goes from there. And so she develops. The key thing there with the kids is help them develop a prayer life. That's the number one thing. If you can develop a prayer life uh, as a young person, that will carry you a long way. So thanks, Nancy. I appreciate it.